Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite. That's bluehost.com wondersuite. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, storytellers of all ages, lend your ears to co-hosts Brad and Philip as we delve into the Marketing Your Attraction podcast. Welcome to episode 17 of Marketing Your Attraction. I'm Philip and I'm joined by my wonderful co-host Brad. Brad, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing great, Philip. I'm glad to be back. We have another great episode or... We hope, we hope it'll be a great episode. Since this is the intro, I guess I shouldn't get ahead of myself, right? <laughs> it will be a great episode. It's one of those FAQ episodes. Um, you know, when I go around, do conferences or really anything involving uh, social media at all, one of the most common questions, probably the most common question is what platforms should I be on and what should I be doing? That's what we're going to tackle today after, after a little bit of news. Yeah, let's uh, jump into the news. I think the biggest news this week, probably for the entire marketing industry and, and definitely for social media, as you mentioned, was Instagram announced their new Instagram TV app slash feature. And what Instagram TV is, is it's uh, pulling in long form video content into the Instagram experience. So before Instagram TV, all Instagram videos were limited to only 60 seconds. And I think Instagram's seen the incredible success of YouTube and all of uh, all of the different experiments that uh, Facebook, which is owned by Instagram, has been trying with with their different longer form content. And it was a, a natural extension for Instagram to get into the game. And so what Instagram TV is, is it's allowing creators to have these longer form shows 
and is pulling them into the Instagram experience. It will actually come up in the regular Instagram app, but there's also an Instagram TV app that almost acts like a uh, you know cable TV type package, but completely free uh, for right now. So when you open that Instagram TV app, it actually just starts streaming content to you. Uh, just like a TV would. And you can go through different creators' channels and you can see all sorts of videos ranging from five minutes to 15 minutes to I think even like an hour or two. So Instagram is really doubling down on pulling what's been kind of YouTube's bread and butter for the last, uh, geez, I don't know, like 10 years uh, with all of these, these YouTube celebrities and really trying to pull them onto the Instagram platform. And pulling all their fans with them. And they announced it this week because of uh, VidCon was the big video creators conference that was taking place in Anaheim, California. And uh, yeah, so that's kind of Instagram TV. The article that I mentioned in the, um, the, the show notes talks about how Instagram TV is pulling us ever closer to a future full of tall videos. So instead of your usual 16 uh, by nine aspects, you know, widescreen aspect videos um, that you're used to on on YouTube and and uh, you know movies and, and television. Uh, Instagram is is really encouraging people with Instagram TV to do the uh, vertical videos, that full frame video. So, um, Pop uh, Popular Science had an interesting article talking about this, and it's just another reminder to all of us attractions creators out there, all of us marketers out there that we have to be thinking about vertical video because more and more that's the, that's what's working the best on different platforms. And for something like Instagram TV, they are only accepting vertical video. And that's, that's really what the experience is designed around. What did, uh, what did you think about this announcement, Philip? I think it's pretty par for the course. I mean, we, we've known that uh, Facebook is, been combating YouTube for a while um, and their emphasis on video um, and just live and just moving creators over and their like video platform and, and everything is a, uh, it's been happening for a while. So, you know, not again, one of those things like not at all surprised, not at all surprised that, uh, <laughs> that like the, the social games have, have changed once again. Um, and it's just, one of those things. Um, yeah, I, I kind of wish. Yeah, producing your content just have to adjust you know, a little bit if 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 you're playing the Instagram game. <laughs> yeah, I, I think as uh, as most marketers, I know I definitely wish there was just one platform out there. It would make our lives a lot easier. And and I I know I definitely struggle with trying to make both vertical and horizontal video and all the different aspect ratios and all the best practices. Just another thing to have to keep think of that, you know, to keep track of as you're producing all of this content. Um, but hopefully Instagram will be able to uh, bring in, you know, new audiences. Uh, I, you know, and we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit later as we get into our main topic, but Instagram just continues to grow and grow and grow. So it is great that they're now having a little bit more flexibility and you're not limited to just those 60 seconds. I did want to mention before we wrap up this story in the uh, New York Times article that we'll link to about the Instagram TV announcement, one of the content creators had this great quote in there. Uh, he said, everyone spends time on Instagram. Every single person is always on Instagram. When you go to YouTube, you're actively looking for something. 
Instagram, you're waiting in line and it's like, let me go just go waste some time on Instagram. Mm -hmm. That's a, that's a great example of how Instagram is, uh, is kind of positioned in the social world and how they're taking that long form content in sort of a different direction. So YouTube's bread and butter has really been tutorials and, and yes, they have a lot of content creators that you can subscribe to, but Instagram is all about personalities and all about just trying to have more and more content for that, uh, that scrolling audience to consume throughout their day. Uh, so moving on from Instagram TV, we had another quick uh, news story. Um, this one is about how the t- uh, tours and activity sector is still facing challenges of moving bookings online. This is from a really great industry site called uh, skift.com. That's S-K-I-F-T.com. And we, we'll put the link in the show notes. Um, and this article has talked about how so many bookings for, diff- for a lot of tours and activities are still happening in person. Uh, I know I see this all the time when I go to different, uh, uh, tourist attraction cities, like, uh, you know, like a New York or San Francisco, or even here in Los Angeles, you see all of the, uh, the, the, the tour operators on their little, uh, in their little booths and they're just selling tickets right then and there as people are walking down the boulevard or, or they're selling tickets in the hotels. Um, and a lot of these bookings are sort of the last part of the travel experience that are not completely dominated by online services. And so this article kind of talks about some of those challenges of, of what's causing these bookings to not be moved online. Um, and uh, you know, some of the players in that space that are trying to uh, make sure that everything gets booked in, in advance. And uh, you know, just like um, Air, Airbnb is getting into this um, industry a lot more um, because of, the article mentions that although, you know, you're, of course you're booking your hotel online, the vast majority of your travel dollars are spent on these different tours and activities. And so there's a lot of players in the space that want to be able to get an extra dollar out of that. So it'll be interesting to see if, you know, if there is a Ticketmaster type uh, tour and activity company that eventually emerges because right now it's very fragmented uh, and as the article mentions, primarily still happening offline. It's just another one of those like, uh, you know, I- interesting games that, that we all like kind of uh, play with, with the attention uh, of, 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 and, and the way that the decisions are made in, in the, the tourism process. I think it'll be very interesting for us to understand that, but a lot of it goes back to, you know, what we've been talking about with like owning home, you know, not, not really building on rented land type of a, a process. Um, I don't know. This this has been a battle that's been going on for quite a while too. You know, just just owning like all the different the different uh, levels of of decision in the process. You know, I remember sitting on on a talk uh, an event last year by uh, I think it was Live Nation, uh, who who they're an events uh, promoter, but they also uh, operate a lot of their own venues, and then they also have. Ticketmaster as a subsidiary, so uh, it was very interesting to to like hear their uh, hear their their market when their marketing uh, directors kind of talk about the owning all of these different channels. You know where it's like they own the venue and they own like the contract with with the performer. Like they're they're the ones booking the people and they own the the venue. You know that like they, they represent they promote the, the events and they represent the people and they own the venue and they also own the ticket distribution 
you know, so you're not going through a separate person. It's them at every, <laughs> at every possible juncture. Yeah. A good position to be in if you're live nation, not necessarily a good position to be in if, if you're the venue or uh, you know, a band or, or an act that uh, yes. <laughs> is performing at this. And that's a great point. Cause that's what this article talks about is uh, there's a lot of resistance to these small tour operators wanting to move online because they're not used to doing commissions. They're used to just dealing with that simple transaction of, Oh, Hey, a guest wants to do, you know, my sightseeing tour to go see the Hollywood celebrity houses and they give me money and then I give them a ticket Mm -hmm. and and that's it. You know, there's no complication. There's no having to have, you know, a whole booking engine to make sure you're not triple booking, uh, different, uh, you know, different activities and tours and, and different time bookings. And it gets to be really complex when you, when you really think about how all those systems work on the back end. And so you have these small businesses that have a great thing going for them. Why would they want to disrupt that? Um, but I'm, I'm sure that the world will eventually have them going, going digital as well. And just another thing to, to look out for. Um, hopefully there won't be just one, you know, giant 800 pound gorilla, like a, like a ticket master or an Amazon coming in and, and dominating, dominating the space. Cause I think fragmentation's important. Otherwise you're sort of at the mercy of just a couple of companies, which is what the hotel industry is really at right now with, uh, with booking.com. And, uh, I believe Expedia is the other one. Those are the, the two big hotel bookers. And if you're a hotel, you almost have to be at the mercy of giving them commissions because that's where consumers are now trained to go. I don't know. I we'll have to see. I definitely think that, uh, it, obviously that's what we want, but I, I think that it's, that's not what, <laughs> that's not what they want. No, no. It's, <laughs> yeah, I think, I think long-term it's probably a battle that, that the, the smaller attractions won't win, but who knows so far they've held out for this long. So we'll see, uh, we'll see what the future holds. So that sort of rounds up our, our quick takes and our news this week. Let's dive into our, our main topic, Phil. The main topic this week is what is the difference between the different platforms and which platform should you be should you be using? I'm I'm curious to get Brad's take because I, I'm gonna give the take it's it's never my my take is never popular <laughs> when I go and teach on it. And and my take you know generally is uh, it depends on your attraction. <laughs> uh, and, and it depends, uh, you know, on, on your market and your customer base. And, and, you know, it basically, it depends on your marketing plan and, and nobody likes that answer ever that I, I give. I think it's because that, you know, you, you, you want to, you want to start from, I've noticed the tendency of a lot of attractions to see stuff like Instagram TV that we just told you about and then run and like want to make a campaign you know, to, to play with Instagram TV. Um, and, and generally, you know, my answer is always like you, you start from your marketing plan, which should have your why in it. And then you, you, then you use these things as tools that facilitate that, you know, in, in a, in a way you can measure, um, kind of resist the urge to like shiny object it every time a social platform like adds a new trick, <laughs> you know, that, that you can, uh, uh, try for. There are a few things I usually start off that on. You know, we already covered the rented land thing, but I also like to remind people of the error margin that exists online. Um, you know, that your metrics are not all are not really uh, super accurate, um, even though they <laughs> everyone thinks they're accurate. Um, I also like to remind people that 
it's all pay to play. All of it is, you know, you're not going to, uh, get these like viral, uh, you can't count on virality. You know, you can't count on, on just doing a thing and, you know, kind of quote unquote scene, you know, you know, all those types of things, you know, you really have to approach it from your, whatever campaign you do from your tying it back to what, what overall objectives you're trying to achieve kind of from a macro stance and figuring out if that's really the best way to, to achieve them. Um, then the whole, I always also remind everyone that each platform is not created equal. Um, just cause I, I always, uh, I hear a lot about, um, Facebook, like not being like the cool place to be. It's like, quote unquote, like, it's not cool. That's, that's for older people. Um, when in reality, you know, each platform really does have an entirely different ecosystem. And, but even, <laughs> even putting that all aside, you know, Facebook still dwarfs everybody else by its sheer like size and magnitude of influence on our lives. <laughs> so, so it's still, you know, uh, kind of the, uh, the place everyone, everyone meets at and then you, everyone diverges for separate interests and separate purposes in other places. Um, but I'm really curious uh, to hear Brad's take on it uh, and, and, and what your team does. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I definitely 100% agree with you. There's, there's not an easy answer. And one of the reasons I wanted to do this podcast is it's a question I get quite a bit, both from uh, industry professionals who want to know what platforms they should be using to like friends who are just getting into social and whether it's professional or, or business. I think there's always that question of like, okay, there's all these different networks. Where do I start? And I would say you should start on all of them, at least initially, just reserve your name. It's very important for uh, search engine optimization value in a lot of ways that you at least set up your, your page, your profile on, on each of these social media platforms. And you know, that's all your primary ones, your YouTube, your Snapchat, your Instagram, your Facebook, your Twitter, uh, your Pinterest, maybe uh, your Yelp, your Google My Business. Those last two are not necessarily uh, social media, uh, but some of your most important platforms from a search engine optimization perspective are, are probably Yelp and definitely Google My Business and Facebook. So you want to make sure you at least set up a good profile page, you reserve your names, uh, your attractions, uh, business name, you have your, your right address on there, you have your website on there. Hopefully you have a consistent logo and, and profile images for all those platforms. That's sort of your first step. You want to at least get the, the ground running. Uh, and then, you know, going past that, I think, you know, for best practices for a attraction that is focused on families, and uh, possibly, you know, older adults. Facebook's still going to be your bread and butter with Instagram just kind of right, right behind it uh, for an attraction that is aiming for much younger adults or, or even like teenagers. That's going to be Snapchat and Instagram. Snapchat, I'm still not a huge fan of because the metrics are not fantastic. So it's hard to learn a lot from what you do, what you're doing on, those, on that platform in particular. Um, Twitter, I love Twitter personally. I think there's some great communities on there, but I think for the most part, it's a platform that is just not really for consumer engagement for a lot of brands. 
yeah, it's a good support platform for bigger attractions. Of course, there's a lot of conversation going on there about news and politics. But I think for most small and big attractions, Twitter just is not a place to spend a ton of time on. Uh, I know for Knott's Berry Farm in particular, Facebook is incredibly important for us. We have a great community there and we have uh, you know, really a family focus uh, on our audience. So there's a lot of moms, a lot of, of, a lot of dads, a lot of grandmas, grandpas, aunts and uncles who are always sharing different photos of themselves at the park and are very, very engaged on Facebook. And then close behind is, is Instagram, which is a, a younger audience, uh, but that's a platform that's still growing, not as big as, as Facebook yet, but is, is getting there. And I think for, you know, for Scary Farm, where we're really targeting teenagers and very young adults, we see a lot more engagement on Scary Farm and a lot more engagement on our Scary Farm Snapchat account than we do on our Berry Farm Snapchat account because we're targeting a different audience. So that's, that's sort of how I think about social media. Um, a lot of it too is, um, and we've talked about this in previous episodes and we'll probably cover it in future ones too, is social is just one small piece of your marketing plan. And I feel like it's the piece that a lot of people focus on the most because it's, it's easy. It's something that a lot of people are already, uh, you know, attuned to, they, they use social media in their personal life. And so when they start using it on business, like they understand it, uh, but there's just so much, so much garbage out there with, with the social media from, you know, fake followers to fake engagement. It's really tough to build an honest to goodness community if you don't have a bigger marketing plan and a really well-established attraction. So just, just make sure that as you're thinking about social media, as Philip said, it's just one part of that plan. Um, but if you're just getting into social media, I'll reiterate what I just said uh, a few minutes ago that you really should set up your profile on all the accounts, get that search engine optimization going, start building fans. Uh, so then that way they can, you know, if when people are searching for your traction on Facebook or um, Instagram, they're searching it by name or they want to tag you in a photo they're taking at that attraction, at least you'll be able to have that profile set up even if you don't necessarily, you know, keep using all those different platforms, at least set them up. Is that something you would agree with, Philip? I, I know sometimes people disagree with setting up an account and kind of keeping it dormant, but I do really feel like that's, that's important to have a presence on most of these platforms, even if it's not a, a, a very active presence. I generally tell everyone not to, don't try everything at once. Um, I think that's a terrible generally terrible idea because it's just the thing I get most often is everyone is, is like they come to my classes and they're like, Oh, well I, I, I'm like, why are you here? And like, well, I have to, everyone's told me I have to be on Instagram. And I'm like, that might be the worst reason to be in this <laughs> class. There's probably a more worse, but that's, you know, that's really bad. Like every, everybody as in like other employees or like other random people are telling them they have to do this thing but there's no marketing plan. There's no defined purpose of what they're specifically trying to do with that platform. There's just none of these things. And so that's why I'm like, generally I'm like pick one or two platforms and then design 
some sort of like test campaigns around it and figure out what metrics you actually care about. Um, and then use that as a measure for success. But yeah. I don't, I don't like disagree with like kind of holding things in place. And especially some of the things that you mentioned on here, which I wrote down for the show notes for everyone listening is like, basically you're wanting to make sure that your keywords and your logo and like name spelled the same way. Like all these things are actually pretty important. Like, <laughs> like, um, like just little things like Knott's Berry Farm. Like it would be really annoying if like that, like that spelling was taken by somebody else and you had to like fight for it. Or if uh, you spelled it in a different way, like the Knott's Berry Farm, which is a thing people do all the time is like whether or not they, they put stuff in front of their name or they spell it a different way or, you know, um, I've seen a lot of people like abbreviate their brands in, in some social accounts, but not abbreviate them in others <laughs> where people are like, Oh, it's on Facebook. So I should spell out everything. But then if it's, if it's like something that's less like Snapchat, they want to like make it seem more cool. So they like abbreviate it. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, just to clarify, I'm, I'm definitely not saying to use all of them just to set them up and then whether, yeah. whether you use them or not uh, going forward, at least you have them set up and you, you have that name reserved. And if people are, are looking for your address or something on Facebook, at least they can find it, whether you're active or not on Facebook. Um, but to your point, yeah, you should not try to try to run, you know, five or six social accounts um, unless you have a pretty sizable team that is able to uh, make that you know, part of their focus, but at least set them up. So you, you have those names reserved. And, and as you mentioned, make sure you set them up consistently too. I'm going to add a few things in here. You know, I think I really like Brad's <laughs> outlay of them. Um, for Twitter, I, it's Twitter is also useful for uh, reporters and for professionals. You know, it's, it's like, um, your classic news reporters still seem to like Twitter for some reason, uh, probably because hashtags are, are easier. Like news is easier to track via Twitter um, because it's open. So that that's a, actually a pretty good place to do some influencer searching um, and to kind of track some hashtags and track some information and also to kind of see, see if you can tap into some reporters and professionals there. Also, a lot of people use it for um customer service um that, that's again why i'm like going back to the whole like what is the purpose of some of your channels some of these bleed into different purposes um like you know facebook is also a customer service play you know um and so is twitter is a very popular customer service play you know um if that's the only other thing is I'm like once you set it up you know once you set up your twitter um if someone tweets an issue with your park to you, they're going to expect an answer in under a few hours. <laughs> so, uh, you know, there's that kind of a, a pit you fall in and, and understanding that people, you know, all, all social media is two way communication, even if you intend to only use it for like a campaign things. So just, understand yeah, that is that. a good point because at least on on facebook you can turn off private messaging but yeah on mm -hmm. twitter that's almost sort of built into the platform yes people operate and um then linkedin too um is mainly b2b i think that's everyone it's kind of settled into the b2b thing but it's another place to find um influencers uh on on linkedin um and engage with them there and also like uh, business development you know so there's um 
there's people that that publish exclusively on LinkedIn, um, sort of like as a replacement for a blog platform. So, you know, that it's a good place to kind of, so it's just, you, you have to look at these and figure out like, you know, what, what is your play? You know, is your play with Twitter going to be purely customer service and releasing of press releases and engaging, you know, high end press? Um, and is your play with LinkedIn going to be like potentially recruiting where you're on there and you're like recruiting people. You're also recruiting for business development, like partnering with other businesses. And then you're recruiting for um, potentially people that publish on that platform, like, um, you know, business bloggers or like mom bloggers or something that, that do uh, pulse reports, you know, is that what you're doing? Um, you know, there's so many angles for these. Um, I, I put a, also some other notes here on um, what basically helping you think about what you're trying to get from the platform. Um, I, I find this to be a really useful tool as well. You know, um, I put down a few things here like awareness. So, so basically when, when you can either do this uh, campaign based or you can do this platform based. Um, and Facebook does this kind of help makes you do this. <laughs> uh, but some of the other platforms don't, I uh, think in, and, uh, so just as a way to keep track of it. So you can either do it by campaign or do it by platform, but you need to have your kind of like defined purpose, which will help you figure out whether or not you should be on the platform is, is where this is going. Um, and, and a few of the basic purposes I put here, there's awareness, you know, are, are you, are you, is just a purely awareness play? Um, is it an engagement play? You know, like, are, are you, are you doing, um, do you, are you having trouble engaging, you know, the teenagers and the younger audience and you need them to be engaged for some, some campaign you're doing. So are you going to do a, a Snapchat engagement campaign, you know, for those, for that piece of audience that you're having trouble getting into other means. Um, is it an authority campaign? So that would be potentially like, you know, authority through LinkedIn or Twitter. Um, is it a leads play? You know, are, are you specifically using a platform uh, like Facebook specifically because um, you're trying to get leads on people that are interested? Or is it a pure sales play? You know, are you are you sending uh, direct, um, you know, direct retargeting for repurchase stuff on these platforms? Um, and then there's customer service play as well, or uh, biz development play, um, or press play. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so I, I, I would recommend asking what what are you kind of what specifically are you trying to get from the platform you're using? And then who are you specifically trying to gauge on it, uh, which will help kind of clear up why you should be using some of the platforms or not. And then I also put a list in here of uh, the top eight reasons why people use social media. It should be a good amount for everyone to think on, I think. Yeah, no, definitely. I think, like we said, this is sort of your social media, you know, starter kit. And hopefully this, uh, this has sparked some ideas and, if you have an idea for the show or want to learn more about a specific part of social media, have a question for us, go to marketingyourattraction.com. Put your email into the website. You'll receive an email from us and then you'll have our contact information. We'd love to hear your ideas. We'd love to know if you want to dive, if you want us to dive more into social media, if you have anything you disagree with that we covered on the show that, uh, you know, maybe you think this platform has worked better for you 
uh, with this different age demographic that uh, maybe we didn't cover. Like we'd love to uh, hear your perspectives on anything we've covered on the show. And uh, before we wrap up, I know the leadership symposium, Philip, that you're hosting is only what three or four weeks away. Oh gosh, don't remind me. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's getting pretty close. So join us for a wonderful, intense day of learning, a day focusing on uh, first impressions and why we make the memories that we make at attractions and how we can uh, make those memories stronger for our guests. Yeah, it'll be a really good time. It's going to be held in uh, Long Beach, California at the Queen Mary. So I'm looking forward to uh, attending that with Philip and hopefully meeting uh, a few of our podcast audience listeners out there. Anything else you wanted to add, Philip, before we wrap up episode 17? I think that's a perfect wrap. Awesome. We'll talk to all of you next week. Have a great week. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.